transition services. Every MSP provides them, but very few protect themselves from the pitfalls that plague those services. What kind of pitfalls are we talking about? The kind that can land you in court. I'll tell you how to avoid those pitfalls right now. Just listen up. Hey, it's Brad Gross coming at you with another technology broadcast. If you're a service provider and you want to learn some things, give me a few minutes. You're going to learn a lot. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Technology Bradcast. I'm Brad Gross, your host and Sultan of Service Contracts. We are on episode 39 of the Technology Bradcast, and we have had more than 13,000 downloads of this. So I want to thank all of you for that. This is definitely the place to go to learn about the legal and business aspects of the managed service industry, and it's my pleasure to bring that information to you. As you probably know, I have counseled thousands of MSPs over 20 years, and now, today, I'm going to give you some wisdom and guidance when it comes to transition services. If you're listening to this podcast thinking, I've got transition services covered, well, yeah, you probably don't. You know how I know? Because if you're like most MSPs, you haven't thought through the issue. Most MSPs never think through the issue of transition services. For example, if your customer agreement only addresses what happens when a customer leaves your services, in other words, transitions away from your services, then your agreement sucks. Put another way, if your agreement only discusses outgoing customers or what we call offboarding, then your agreement is missing some key points, namely incoming customers, which we in the business call onboarding. See, transition services encompass both offboarding and onboarding. In both cases, the customer will be experiencing a transition, right? And those customers will be looking to your MSP to make the transition experience as seamless and pain-free as possible. So take a look at your agreement and ask yourself, have I described both the onboarding and offboarding processes? Have I made it clear about what services I'm offering to my clients as they transition into my services, as well as what they should expect if or when they transition out of my services? Because if you haven't addressed both areas, or if you have addressed both areas, but you haven't adequately addressed the realities of those processes, then you have missed the boat. Okay, so let's start with the transition services that we call onboarding. What are some of the friction points that cause confusion and mismanaged expectations in the onboarding process? Let's take a look at some of them in no particular order. The first friction point, explaining what onboarding involves. Customers don't understand that before managed services can start, your company must evaluate the soon-to-be managed environment to see what is in that environment and what is not in that environment. For example, you know what might be there? PCs running Microsoft Vista, or Macs, or legacy hardware like tape drives, or legacy or proprietary software that you've never heard of. Customers don't understand that this process, this onboarding process, can take time. And you may even end up suggesting that the customer continue with their current provider as you onboard them to your services, you know, to avoid gaps in service coverage. So explaining what onboarding involves, that's the first friction point. Make sure your agreement talks about it. 
The second friction point, handling discovered problems. When you're going through the initial discovery process in your customer's IT environment, you may find that things are problematic, like you might find outdated or unlicensed software, obsolete equipment, aging devices that need to be replaced, a slew of mobile devices that weren't mentioned in your customer's initial discussions, but certainly need to be included in the service mix. And those discovered problems and issues, they need to be remediated. But who covers the cost of that? Do you? Does your client? What does your document say? I'll tell you what it should say. It should clearly describe whether the remediation of discovered problems is included in your onboarding service or not. It should clearly and transparently inform your customer about the fact that if you discover problems that you didn't know about in the past, well, that situation might require you to change the scope and the fees of your projected managed service plan. They need to know about that. They need to know that scope changes in the onboarding process could mean price changes in the future. So, friction point two, handling discovered problems. Address that issue. Here's the third friction point on onboarding services. They can be disruptive. A seamless onboarding process is, it's like a UFO. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure people have seen it, but I haven't. Onboarding is almost always disruptive because it involves suspending parts of a network or an entire network for, you know, a period of time. Workflows get disrupted. Service levels can't be promised or met because you're just getting to know your customer's environment. The bottom line is that onboarding can be frustrating for you and your customer, and you need to explain that to your customer. If you don't, then your customer will get pissed off, and you'll be starting off your relationship on the wrong foot, an angry foot, and that sucks. So prepare your customer for the realities of the onboarding process. Now let's flip to the other side of things, offboarding. This is where your customer is leaving you for so-called greener pastures. What do you need to think about and what do you need to consider when a customer is leaving you? First things first, if a customer is leaving, you have to consider the possibility that it won't be a happy occasion. Customers usually don't leave because things are perfect. They leave because things aren't perfect. They're upset and they likely have a very short fuse for any obstacles that stand in their way from departing to another solution provider. But from your perspective, the MSP's perspective, you need to make sure that you get the three P's covered. What are the three P's? They are paid, payment, and process. That's right, my three P's. Paid, payment, and process. Let's hit them in order. First, let's talk about paid. Your agreement needs to say that transition services are not free and that you must be paid for them. Remember, transition services are just that. They are services. You will have to put in time and effort and maybe even a few bucks to make sure that the process goes smoothly and seamlessly. Now, who pays for that? Answer, your customer, unless you surprise your customer with a bill, in which case you may end up footing the tab. You know, here's the thing. Somewhere in the history and evolution of the boilerplate and templated documents that float around out there, someone created a template that addresses transition services by 
saying something like, we will help you transition to another service provider of your choice. And that's where it stops. Nothing more is said about transition services. If your agreement says that, you need to change things immediately. Make sure your customer knows that at the end of your relationship, there will be added costs for transition services. Now that brings us to the second P, which is payment. Make sure that you collect money up front for transition services. That's right, up front. Why? You could probably figure it out, right? It's simple. Once you transition your customer to another provider, your customer has no incentive to pay you. All your leverage is gone. So what you're going to say is, we collect transition-related fees up front to cover anticipated costs, expenses, and so on. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of the conversation that might happen right after that, where your customer says, well, we've always paid you on time or within 30 days after invoice, so why can't we do that now? And your answer would be, well, you know, although we've never had to chase you for money before, that's definitely true, but our relationship is going to change. So we have to handle this particular part of our relationship, this transaction, as if we will not be in contact with you again after the transition occurs. Is it going to be that easy? Probably not. Your customer will probably say something like, okay, so you don't trust us? Is that what you're saying after all these years? You don't trust that we'll pay you? Hmm. What to do? I'll tell you what to do. I'm going to teach you now a negotiation technique that was taught to me decades ago. It's very effective. It helps move people off of their righteous soapbox that they're standing on. It is called Feel Felt Found. That's right, Feel Felt Found. And to my friends from law school who might be listening, namely uh, Gerard or Waller, Donefsky or Helfman, you know where I'm going with this. Feel Felt Found. Here's what you do. You say to your customer, I understand how you feel. You feel as if this is a sign of mistrust. And I can tell you that on the few occasions that we have moved customers away from our service, they initially felt the same way. But here's what we found. We have found that the process increases trust exponentially because the customer can budget for the service without surprise bills or costs, and we focus on providing the best and most seamless transition services possible without wondering if we're ever going to hear from our customer again, which, you know, can be distracting and inefficient. So that's why we collect funds up front, to increase trust, not to decrease it. You see, feel, felt, found. I understand how you feel. Some people have initially felt that way. But let me tell you what we have found. Try it. It works. If your customer still refuses to pay you upfront for your anticipated fees and costs, then what you tell them is you can't proceed with transition services. And then your next call is to your attorney because in all likelihood, you are dealing with a customer that is gearing up not to pay your bills. That's how I see it. The third P, process. You must have a process in place for transitioning customers to another service provider, and you need to follow it. The process should be designed to transition the customer as quickly as possible. So once you've secured the money issue, right, once you've secured that, get that client the hell out of your service and fast. Why? Because things can happen, as you know. 
things can happen to the customer's network. And you don't want to be around when they do, and you certainly don't want to be halfway through a transition service when they happen, right? Your client's network could be cryptolocked. Hardware can falter. Issues happen at random and without warning. And your customer might even discover that it has some ancillary IT needs. And of course, they're going to try to get you to do it because, you know, you're still working with them. Don't do it. Don't get involved with anything other than transition services. Follow your process. Otherwise, you will end up with transition scope creep or you'll be taking on a whole new set of issues that your client probably won't want to pay for because they'll assume that's part of the transition out. And it's not. So remember, this person that you're dealing with is walking out your door. They're not coming in. They're walking out. They didn't want to work with you anymore. Treat them that way. You know, with respect, of course, but you treat them as an ex-customer, a former customer, not a current customer. All right. I hope I've given you some valuable tips when it comes to handling transition services. If you've got questions, you know what to do. Contact me at 954-217-6225 or info at bradleygross.com. We'll see you on the next Technology Bradcast.